Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Hello and welcome to Talk Tantra to Me. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode than normal. Uh, this one is going to be more of you, the listener, holding space for me rather than the other way around, which is really different and really scary and really exciting and also very, very liberating uh, because I'm going to be sharing a story, um, a piece of my reality that I have been healing from and it has come in layers and I haven't I did a lot of, you know, writing out what I was going to say in this video and I kind of just scrapped it all and I'm going purely from the heart in this moment to share uh, a very, very um, challenging and triggering experience. And so I want to put the, you know, trigger warning out there now for anyone that um, is sensitive to sexual assault. We will be broaching that topic in depth so not really broaching. I just, I guess just going into depth, um, in regards to an experience that I had in the healing modality, specifically with someone that was a shaman or a tantra healer. Um, and yeah, here's, here's what happened. And, and I share this story, um, First of all, to give voice to this epidemic that is happening in the healing spiritual circles, um, there are a lot of individuals that are using false light to uh, manipulate and to control um, and just not being really honest and authentic about their intentions in this space. And this goes in the realm of, you know, sacred sexuality with Tantra practitioners. There are those that are in, you know, plant medicine that are abusing their power and taking advantage of girls or boys or whoever, um, in, in the spaces of being, uh, influenced by a plant medicine. Um, and there are, you know, couples that are claiming to be healers where one is being completely unfaithful to the other. And I'm seeing this a lot in this community, whether it's being, um, openly shared or whether it's kind of being whispered about behind closed doors. And in this moment, I feel that it's important that we talk about these things because it is happening left and right. And people need to know that they are not alone and it is not okay. And it is also possible to heal from this. And that's really where I'm going to be speaking from today. And also touching on the importance of discernment in this space and really owning your power 
and we are so conditioned to trust our elders, to trust our teachers, to trust our parents, to trust the people that have power over us. And we are coming into a time where it's really important to reclaim that power. And I learned the hard way and I don't wish that on anyone else. Um, and with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and go into the story and there will be little pieces of, of, you know, expansion on each of these points throughout the story. So essentially I haven't done an episode where I've gone into depth about how I got into, to working with sacred sexuality and Tantra. And so I'm just going to kind of give a very brief overview just for the, the context of this, this scenario. So essentially I had a lot of sexual trauma and a lot of, um, unhealthy shame, guilt, and fear around my own sexuality. I grew up in a small town in Missouri, lots of, you know, unhealthy religious, you know, power dynamics in regards to just owning your power in general, let alone your eroticism. And this sort of created a, um, mindset and a perspective that really manifested a lot of unhealthy sexual dynamics in my first experiences with sexuality. Lots of confusion, lots of shame around my body, um, and self-pleasure, etc. And this also created experiences in which my first sexual relationships were very, very, very toxic. There was sexual assault. There was non-consensual, you know, coupling experiences. There was lots of peer pressure, um, to show up sexually in certain ways. And then a lot of shame for doing so. So just essentially I came from that sort of environment. And when I started my spiritual journey in my early twenties, it was great because I had this love and light coming in and, and this profound like wave of self love coming in for the first time. And I realized that I was really abandoning my sexual self and I was abandoning my power. I was giving it away left and right. And, and that started with kind of a surface level journey with a lot of meditation and yoga and reading, you know, the, the beautiful books that our, our guides are offering these days, but eventually it only went so far. And that's where I saw that I was deeply, deeply wounded in my root and in my sacral chakra and I got to heal that. I had the opportunity to really go through a profound level of, of healing, um, as I started to discover this world and that really, uh, accelerated a lot when I moved to LA, um, about three years ago. And that's, you know, about, about around then is when I, when I started, you know, briefly, very slowly putting my fingers into doing my own healing work. Um, and it started, you know, in, in certain ways and then it, it gradually built. And then I slowly found myself, um, working in a space that was incredibly vulnerable with, um, you know, someone that really opened my eyes to my potential, to my potential in this world and really encouraged me to fully claim the gift that I have in regards to working with, you know, intimacy. And I don't just mean intimacy sexually. I mean, intimacy, you know, emotionally and spiritually and physically in a non-sexual way and intellectual intimacy, etc. And, um, 
how this all ties into our life force, into our our juicy energy that we are innately created by and create from in every moment of our lives. So essentially this one person really encouraged me to fully claim this, that this was my path, this was my power, and I'm so grateful for this person for doing so. Um, And that being said though, I didn't know where to start. When I first started you know, deciding to work in this space. I had been to, you know, some Tantra workshops. I'd been to some goddess embodiment, you know, weekend retreat things. I had done a lot of self-study. I'd been, you know, to some gorgeous sacred sites all over the world, some of which were specifically devoted to Tantra, you know, in Nepal. Um, But I didn't know how to become what some would refer to as a sacred intimate or as a tantric body worker. And I didn't really have all the resources to to fully claim that either. I didn't really have the finances at first um, to, to do it either. Um, and so a lot of my first work was trial and error and I don't recommend that to anyone. I, I, um, I think that I was figuring out, is this for me? And luckily I did it in a way that I was safe and I was always very cautious of boundaries, um, for my clients, um, in terms of how they were, how I was going to show up for them. Um, I definitely struggled a lot with how I maintain my own boundaries though, in those circumstances. And a lot of that was just figuring out like, well, how do I work? What are those boundaries? What is my intention here? What am I trying to bring into these people's lives? So I did, you know, when I started doing this work more professionally, I would slowly dabble in a little bit more of working the professional space, um, you know, but then the pandemic hit and a lot of the certifications that I had signed up to go do and travel to, including ISTA, which I still haven't done, but I've done other ones since and I plan on doing ISTA next year. ISTA is the International School of Temple Arts and they have a sexual shamanic training that I've heard really good things about and I'm still very excited to do it, but I had essentially signed up for two within a couple of months of the uh, pandemic starting and then of course they they got canceled and I I just haven't um, I've done other trainings instead Um, but essentially you know I'm trying to get deeper and deeper into this work and to show up more authentically for my clients to also better establish my boundaries and essentially what I discovered is in this day and this was again last summer or the summer of 2020 so things just weren't getting better I kept signing up for things they kept being canceled I was doing a lot of my own self-study a lot of online festivals and retreats and things and and still working with um, a couple of the other mentors that I had in the space but I was deeply craving something more and I decided to try to seek out a one-to-one mentorship with a tantric professional and I did a lot of research and I reached out to a lot of people and the for whatever reason like they kept just not working out either they wouldn't respond or they took a really long time to respond and by then I was like you know a little peeved about it and was like it's just not the right fit you know, etc. And I ended up landing on this man that was based in San Francisco. And we did an intake call. And that was great. And he had me fill out this really long intake form, which was incredibly cathartic. Um, and I actually have adapted this intake form to my own, you know, needs that I now use for my virtual mentorships. And you know, that alone, just putting in one space, my whole life story was incredibly valuable. That being said, 
you know, I showed up for the session. We, I had arranged to go visit a client up in San Francisco and to see, you know, this, this tantric body worker at the same time. And again, this was a man. Um, he, he had been practicing tantra and shamanism for 15 years, according to his, you know, website. On the website, he was working with a woman, but I later found out that him and the woman weren't together anymore, and so they weren't practicing anymore. And I also, um, I did a lot of research. He had a Yelp page. There were lots of really good reviews on the Yelp page. So I'm thinking, I've done my research. I feel good about this. So I go into the session and I booked three hours with him. Um, many p- practitioners work on an hourly basis. I do not, which um, is a whole other episode, but essentially um, I booked three hours and we went in and the first hour was conversation, which was really great. And a lot of what I expressed to him that I was struggling with was number one, communicating boundaries so that I felt safe, not just to, you know, clients, but also in my own romantic relationships, um, to be just very clear about what those were. And as you know, those of you that have listened to this podcast in depth, you know how much I really reel in on talking about needs, preferences, and boundaries to create a safe, sacred container for, you know, intimate spaces, whether they are sexual or otherwise. Um, that being said, I, you know, had communicated that boundaries were one of the reasons that I had sought, sought him out and one of the things that I would like support with. Another one was uh, receiving. I had said I really struggle to fully receive as well, again, because I just don't feel safe. And maybe I'll feel more safe if I'm, you know, surrendering to someone that's a professional that has the tools to communicate, to um, be able to read my energy and know what is what is okay and what is not okay. And now after this experience, I realize that that's my responsibility to communicate those things. That being said, you have to learn how to do that, right? And that's kind of why I was going to him. And essentially I did end up getting that lesson fulfilled by this experience, but not in a healthy way, not in a way that is to my, um, from my opinion, in a, in an expansive way. In fact, it was done in a way that I was re-traumatized unintentionally, which I'll get into. So essentially the first, the first hour or so we were just talking and communicating, which is great. And I think it's really, really important. Um, there wasn't a ton of depth that we got to in the conversation. I don't remember being like really, you know, transformed by the conversation alone, but I do think it's good to kind of set that, that, you know, original sort of chemistry read of the energy in this space. Um, from there, we did, he did this like tapping exercise on me where he was like tapping all over my body and was like, how does that feel? How does it feel if I, you know, am gentle and how does it feel when I'm doing it harder? And it was essentially a somatic exercise that was based on just being in touch with your body, which is really good and fine and well, but I don't think that it was integrated into the body work that we were doing, which I will get to. So after that, you know, he had, we had talked about, you know, um, my preferences for the session. And he had mentioned that he uses a mix of several different types of touch. They were something along the lines of energetic, you know, nurturing, sensual, um, therapeutic, and erotic touch. And he had asked if I had any preferences on those. And I had said, I don't. I'm open to you just kind of reading and going with the flow with with me. 
Um, so I didn't set any, you know, strict boundaries on type of touch. Um, so that being said, there was never any discussion about, um, where he would be touching me. There was never any discussion about any kind of penetration. There was never any discussion about, um, STDs. There was never any discussion about condoms. There was never any discussion that would lead me to believe that I would be physically penetrated during the session, um, with anything. Um, so. <laughs> I lay down, he has me lay down on my back first, or I'm sorry, my stomach first, and he's mm, kind of massaging, but it, it kind of became very sensual and erotic very quickly, um, which was fine. I was okay with that at that point. You know, it felt good. I felt safe. Um, I felt alive in my body. He's massaging, you know, the backside of me, starting to, you know, caress more of my yoni um, and, you know, backside. And then eventually he turned me over and there was more work that he was doing. And it was incredibly profound. I don't want to discount how powerful this work can be and how healing and how transformative tantric body work can be and how much it was in this session. And, and I think that the important thing before I get into what I call the assault is that yin and yang, right? Yin and yang. In every darkness, there's a bit of light. And in every light, there's a bit of darkness. And that was really my experience in this circumstance because it was deeply affirming and deeply enlivening for me. There was a moment where um, my arms went completely numb and they started to move of their own accord in this really beautiful, sacred sort of pattern. And my hands were doing these, these mudras. And at the time, I didn't think of them as mudras. I actually said, asked him, can you please just stop? For, like, I'm, I'm a little bit worried because I can't feel my arms and they're moving. Is this okay? Is this normal? And he had said, it's not normal, but you're channeling a past life, right? Right now you're channeling a past life in which you were a tantrika and you were doing, you know, sacred mudras and, you know, these arm movements, etc. And that, that also made me feel really seen. And I don't necessarily want to forget that piece of what I experienced because I truly, I truly believe that that's what was happening. Um, and I was crying and there's all of this movement and, and, but for the most part, my eyes were closed. I was just in this state of fully receiving probably for the first time in my entire life. If I'm being completely, completely honest with myself. Um, but unfortunately things started to shift gears. So he started to do, you know, a bit more internal work, which again was fine. He was working with my G spot, um, which was great. Um, but when he was doing it, it actually hurt. It actually hurt a bit, um, which is common for working with the G-spot. For those that are unfamiliar, it is very common to feel pain um, when you first start working with the G-spot because it does carry a lot of trauma. It carries a lot of emotions. It carries a lot of baggage. It's also very sensitive, especially when it's not regularly incorporated into pleasure practice. When you're regularly incorporating G-spot work, it becomes very pleasurable and very, very, very juicy. And that's where I am now, thankfully. But at that time, it was, you know, it was hurting. It actually hurt. That being said, he did, you know, actually make me squirt from this, which was confusing. Um, 
but I was, you know, going with it and, and it was fine and good and well. Um, and then, you know, I went back into my, my experience and I was staying with my body and, and, you know, there was this deep letting go. And at one point he put my hand on his penis and I kept it there. Um, it was interesting to me. I didn't know that that was going to be a part of the session, but that felt fine for me. That didn't feel like it felt, you know, in reality, I, that was not something that was discussed before the session. And if that was the intention from my perspective as a practitioner, that should be discussed. That being said in the moment, I was actually okay with that. And to this day, I still am okay with that. Um, and then maybe a few minutes later, I'm again, my eyes are closed. I'm in an altered state of, of consciousness. And I do really like to call it an altered state of consciousness when we're talking about working with sexual energy. And I think that even if you haven't worked with sacred sexuality, you can understand what I mean when I say altered state of consciousness, just in the terms of like, when you're really turned on, when you're really sexually alive, um, it's very easy to make different decisions. It's very easy to get caught up in the moment. Um, and, and it's profound, right? It's incredible. You're high on your own supply. Um, it's, it's very much like being on a plant medicine. Um, and, but it's even cooler because it's your own life force energy. Like, how cool is that? That being said, you have to be very careful about in which context you choose to explore this energy. Um, to this extent in the same way that you're not necessarily going to go do, you know, for me at least, I choose not to do plant medicines in a group, a huge group setting like a festival or a concert because to me it's just too overwhelming. Um, you know, other people might say, well, I'm not going to, you know, like take take those sorts of supplements, you know, in a context with children or, you know, whatever. So it's being aware of the of the environment that you're putting yourself into. Again, I thought because this was a professional that that would be an appropriate space for me to open up in this way. Since this experience, experience I've learned that um, I didn't do enough <laughs> research. I didn't touch into my intuition enough. Um, that being said, getting back to the story, so I'm in this altered state and suddenly I, I feel his weight on the table. But again, like I'm going, I'm in and out. I'm in and out of these beautiful transcendent states. And, but then suddenly I feel him on top of me and inside of me with his penis or lingam. And I froze. I completely froze. Um this is where it gets a little bit difficult for me to talk about. Again, I've processed this on a solo level, which I'll get into more about how I did that, how long it took me to do that. Um, but uh, it's a whole nother level of healing. I sh- And the next level of healing for me was to share this with the people closest to me and then to partners. And now this is like a whole different level of healing to share this story with the world because it's so easy to victim blame myself in this scenario because I did freeze. I, I completely left my altered state and I kind of tensed up and just took it. Um, and the whole thing behind freeze, freeze response. So you have fight, flight, freeze. And then the last one is fawn. 
And the thing about freeze is that what our body is trying to do is just have you survive the traumatic experience that's happening in that moment. The body realizes that based on the genetic code that you have, you are more likely to survive the experience by staying still and freezing than by fighting or flighting. And I bet you can imagine this if you think about, um, let's go back two or 300 years and a woman is, you know, pulled into a dark alley and someone goes to rape her and she has, you know, a couple of options. She can fight. But it's probably more likely that if she fights, then she will be more harmed physically. You, the, the guy might have a gun. He might have a knife. Even if he doesn't have those, he has a very strong body, likely, that could fuck her up. So her reptilian brain, her survival brain is saying, well, don't fight because you actually might die. It's more likely that you'll die than if you just take this. Same with flight. If she runs away... He might freak out, get all scared, run after her, hurt her that way, or he'll be afraid that she's going to go tell someone and then his reputation will be tarnished. So that's a whole other level of, well, if that's the other option, then again, she could be more hurt than by just taking it, by just surrendering to the moment and allowing yourself to be assaulted um, because that's what's going to make you survive in that moment. So that's essentially the idea behind freeze. And this is a pattern for me. I, I again had spoken about past sexual assaults, traumas, and this is not the first time that I have frozen. But what's especially confusing about this is because this is supposed to be my sexual healer. And so is this like, what? Like, it was just so confusing in that moment of like, is this what I signed up for? I don't think so. I don't know. It's what's happening. What do I do? You know, so anyways, the the whole experience comes and goes. Um, Again, there was no, it would have taken two seconds to say, is it okay if I do this? How do you feel about penetration? May I? You know, et cetera. And there was none of that. There was none of that. And again, there is never any conversation about any of the risks or whatever around sex that should be a part of any sexual experience, whether it's in a healing modality or, you know, at 2 a.m. after the bar, not saying that that always happens, but especially in a professional setting, right? So anyways, the session ends and I'm feeling very confused because Again, it was an incredibly activating experience for the first, you know, hour or two. Um, but then it wasn't. And I was so confused. So afterwards, we sat down. And again, I'm wanting to work in this space professionally. This is the first person that I've come across that has worked in the industry for as long, 15 years, that I've had the opportunity to sit down one-on-one with. So I'm also like very curious and wanting to know more and wanting to learn. And I'm in in the moments that this is happening, I don't even want to go to the fact that I'm a victim because I want to, I don't want to be that. I want to be the student. I don't want to be the victim, um, which is a super confusing place to be in too. But I 
was confused. So I, you know, I had asked him some things about, you know, what was your training? Like, what do you recommend for me? Et cetera, et cetera. And first of all, he was very, very complimentary of me, which, I mean, let's be honest, I am amazing. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to make some light of the situation. Um, but he was saying, you know, you don't really need any training. Like, it's very obvious that you have a gift and you need to have more confidence in yourself um, in trusting your own ability more than you need to be going to a bunch of retreats. He's like, if you want to do the retreats for community, that's great. But he's like, I can tell that you already have it. You know, you have the gift, which, you know, was actually really good for me to hear at that time because I did have a lot of imposter syndrome. I did have a lot of questions over like, am I worthy of doing this work? Who am I to say that I'm a healer, et cetera, et cetera. So again, there was another piece of like, really real beauty in that experience. But then I also asked him, you know, do you normally have sex with your clients? Like, why didn't you ask me beforehand? So the answer to these questions were this. So when I asked him, do you normally have sex with your clients? He said, not on a first session. Normally, if I were to do this with a client, I would have talk to them about it beforehand and it would be in a second or third session and we would work up to it and then we would talk about it. The reason why I didn't do that with you, he says to me, is because of the fact that you're a professional and you're so experienced and you, um, you've been doing this for lifetimes and it's a different circumstance than what it would be with a normal client. Which again, like in retrospect, it was very much like buttering me up, I think, whether it was consciously or not. Um, and it made me sort of diminish the experience. It made me think, well, okay, like, oh, it's only because I'm like this. So, okay, that makes sense. Like that, like, again, it was rationalizing in a way that just wasn't real. Um and then when I asked him, yeah, I was like, what well, again, why why me, etc. He had said that he perceived my consent from the moment in which he put my hand on his penis and I didn't move it away. To him, that was consent. Which what? And in the moment when he told me this, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess that makes sense. Looking back on this, after the work that I've done, no, obviously not. Obviously, that's not consent. Consent is, can I penetrate you? Yes. May I? Yes. It's not when someone's eyes are closed, when they're in a transcendental experience, when they've come to you because they feel like their boundaries have been crossed, that you then cross the boundary that is just obvious in this world um, without even, again, like it doesn't take much to say, can I do this? Or would you like this? How do you feel? And I'm not even saying that I would have said no. Like I don't, like I honestly can't even determine what my answer would have been because I wasn't given the choice. I wasn't asked. And I've had so much guilt over this experience, again, for not saying no, and also for feeling like it was my fault to put myself in a situation where I was naked in a room 
with essentially a stranger, even though they were professional. And, you know, I think that we all have seen, you know, the headlines, the stories of, you know, priests, people in positions of power, doctors, again, people in positions of power, attorneys, lawyers, teachers, using their position of power to manipulate someone. And that's what I've come back to. This was a manipulation, even though, you know, I was in a space where I was opening myself up sexually, there are there's still consent. There's still consent and it wasn't given to me. And the unfortunate thing is that I didn't want to see that part of the experience. I, again, would have rather been a lover to this man. I would have rather been a um, mentee of the, for the, from this man than be the victim of sexual assault. And that's essentially the illusion that I ended up creating. Um, again, I was looking to have a mentor in this space. And so essentially he was like, you're amazing. You have so much beautiful sexual power. Let's be partners in this work. Let's do this work together. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, I want to date you. You're so beautiful. You're so talented. And this was like insane to me. I never had someone in this field affirm me like that. Granted, I had never really given anyone the opportunity to. So it was very intoxicating for me. And so we did end up, you know, sort of dating. And there were red flags left and right. And um, I learned so much. And all in all, again, like I'm grateful that I went through this experience, not just for like all of the wisdom that he did actually give me because he did have some really great shamanic practices that he shared with me that I'm, I'm grateful to have had. But I'm also really grateful that I went through this experience to have learned that I was giving all of my power away to him. I, I was looking for external validation for my healing abilities, which was not healthy at all. Um, and also just not necessary. (laughs) Um, you know, why did I need that? Right? Like I know the healing work that I've done on myself and have it transformed. I also, it is still external validation, but I've gotten so at that point, even I had had so many positive referrals and recommendations from people saying how much my work had, you know, transformed their life. Um, So anyways, uh, you know, we spent a couple of months going into this and it was funny because there were a few little um, moments that I had where I could have been like, you know, maybe that was sexual assault. Maybe you should think about that. And one of those was when I first told my friend, she was like, I told her the whole story. I told her that, you know, he had penetrated me. I told her how it happened and she was like, did you guys talk about that before? And I was like, no. And she was like, um, did he ask you like during it, if he could do that? And I said, no, (laughs) she said, well, it sounds kind of like icky. Like that doesn't sound right. She didn't call it assault, but she's like, that doesn't sound right. And I was very defensive. I was so defensive. And now I know, and I knew at that time too, but it was just easy for me. It was easier for me again to not face the truth in that moment than to fully heal the part of myself that was just assaulted. So I was very defensive and I was like, no, you just don't understand. Like you're not in the torture world because she's not. Um, but again, 
total miscite. The second thing that he did was he recommended a book to me called, what was it called? I have it on my sex in the forbidden zone. And it's all about, um, practitioners who, and not in the sex world, they're actually, again, um, doctors, lawyers, um, teachers, uh, you know, clergymen, people that essentially used their, their, um, their power to sexually manipulate mostly women is in the book, but I know it does happen to men as well. Um, non-binary, the whole thing, but, um, the book talks in length about this perspective of from the male gaze into the woman and whose responsibility is it in these moments to uphold the professional professionalism of their practice, even when they're attracted to someone. And even, even when they're, you know, their client is attracted to them, you know, like if that is the case, then if you are attracted to your client and your client is attracted to you, you need to look at what is what standard of practice are you upholding if you are going to choose to act on that. And second, there is an opportunity to act on that outside of your practice. And that is what I would recommend. And that's essentially what the book recommends. If you're going to at all, the book definitely recommends not engaging at all. Um, and doing, you know, the shadow work to figure out why that's something that you're, you know, craving. Uh, so that being said, he suggested that I read this book. And so I read it and I was like, this sounds so much like what you did to me. And I was processing it and I kind of said that to him, but in a really roundabout way that wasn't in my highest truth and wasn't speaking from that. And he was like, he had said something like, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. And that was kind of the end of it. And I was like, okay, all right, I guess we're fine. We can keep going on smiles and rainbows. The second thing that was very clear indicator um, was, again, he had worked with a few women in this space, um, one of which was this woman. He hadn't worked with her in like five years or something, and they had a falling out. So they weren't even communicating until up, uh, up until very, very, um, right before, uh, this practitioner and I had met. And, um, yeah, so she connected, he, so they ended up reconnecting around the time that we met. And he had said, you should really talk to, let's give her a name. Her name is going to be Nadia. You should really talk to Nadia because she works in this space. And I know that you don't really have any women um, that you know of that work in this space. At that time, I didn't. I didn't have any friends that were tantricas. I didn't know anyone else that was working, any other women uh, personally that were working in sacred sexuality to the extent that I was. I knew women that were working with healing and were working in much more of the energetics, but not somebody that were working with physical body work. And so I thought, okay, cool, amazing. So I'd scheduled a call with her and she was so abrasive towards me. She was like, very hard on me and very much like, are you sure you want to be doing this? Are you sure? And she was like, you need to be really careful with Alika. He's lying to you. He's lying to you. He lied to you about, he had essentially given me, given me this Oracle deck that he had given, that she had given him to give to his ex, but instead he gave it to me, which is like, sorry if that doesn't make sense, but essentially he lied to me about, he's like, oh, I got you a gift. He gave me the gift that was this oracle that Nadia had given him to give to his ex who they had recently broken up, 
like not that long after I had met him. And I told her like, oh, he gave me your oracle. And she's like, I didn't give that to him to give to you. I gave that to give to um, this other lady, you know? And he's like, he's lying to you about that. What else is he lying to you about? Was basically what she was saying to me. And she had said like, look, I've worked with lots of men in this space and there's a lot of deception. There's a lot of unhealthy dynamics with the men working in sacred sexuality. And I can count, there's maybe two male practitioners that I actually trust that are working in Tantra and sacred sexuality. And this guy is not one of them. She's like, love the guy, love him, not, not safe is basically what she was telling me. And on top of that, she was being very penetrative about questioning me about what I was doing and all these things and about like, it felt like she didn't trust my um, spiritual journey. And then when I told her about like what was like, happening to me, you know, how I'd found this work, etc. Then she finally like chilled out a bit. And then she became just very protective and was like, I want you to have the resources that you need to like do this correctly if you're going to be doing this. Which was great. But I was honestly like very triggered and traumatized by the way that she was speaking to me. So I didn't really take what she was saying all that seriously. And it wasn't until about a month later when um, this practitioner and I had a falling out and um, we had decided to not talk for a month, um, essentially because he just wasn't being very authentic with himself in terms of what he was looking for. Um, and I knew what I wanted and it just was clear that we weren't on the same page. And we so we decided to kind of take a separation and so we decided not to talk for a whole month and during that time I started to process what the entire co-creation relationship whatever you want to call it was and I started to see how hurt I was I started to really process what had happened and look at it as a assault to see like that wasn't okay that wasn't consensual um, under any circumstance. So I think it was around that time that I ended up reaching back out to Nadia and she sent me all of these resources about so many people in this in the sexual healing industry that have been manipulating, been using their power um, in coercive ways um, that have been essentially assaulting, raping people. And she'd also sent me some other beautiful resources for healing. And she had invited me into her, you know, mystery school, which I ended up just not doing. I just felt like I needed to completely, you know, separate from the whole experience. But I saw, I finally real, I finally fully owned what happened to me. And that was a really beautiful moment to say, I was hurt. This happened and it's okay. And I can feel this. I can feel this trauma and that's the only way that I'm going to be able to heal it. And that's the only way that I'm going to be able to move forward and have healthy relationships in the future, both with my romantic partners, with my clients, and also with any other practitioner that I'll work with in the future. That being said, fast forward um, about a month after that. So this is, you know, about six months after the assault um, and about three, four, Four, three or four months after we had stopped talking. Maybe a little bit less than that. Anyways, you know, everything is happening within a month or two of one another. Um, I get a call from this practitioner. He says, I need to talk to you. And we had, we had again, like it had been, we had not talked for a month and then the month was up and then we started to talk again, but it was just like, it was obvious that, you know, we, we kind of wanted to maybe be friends, but um, 
it just wasn't healthy and we weren't ready for that at that point. And I didn't, I still, I had known that I'd healed with myself the assault, but I hadn't talked to him about it. I hadn't, again, I talked about it that one time that I had said, hmm, it sounds like you kind of did this sex in the forbidden zone with me when he gave me the book, Sex in the Forbidden Zone. And, you know, he had kind of acknowledged it, but we didn't talk about it in depth. And so when I realized, when it went with our time apart, I realized that's what happened. But I decided not to talk to him about it at first because I thought, you know what? It's been months now. It's over. If I was going to make a fuss about this, I should have done it in the moment, which now I realize isn't, you know, true. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Um, I should have done it in the moment, quote unquote. Um, and I just don't even want to go there. Like, I don't even want to bring this back up. I'm working on it with myself and that's enough right now, which was actually very selfish of me because I didn't consider the fact that he might be doing this to other women. Um, which I sort of found out he was. Um, so in the end, um, I, again, a couple months have passed. He called me, said, I need to talk to you. And he says that he has chlamydia. We talk on the phone. He says, I have chlamydia. You need to go get tested. And it had been, you know, months since we had slept together. And I should backtrack. I should backtrack a moment for a moment at this, at this time. So when we were, we, I wouldn't say we were ever in relationship, but we were considering the opportunity of being in relationship we were also considering the opportunity of working together and in that time we saw each other maybe once every two or three weeks over the course of about a month and a half so this was a very short little trace maybe two months um and during that time obviously we both work in sacred sexuality I know because he told me that sometimes he sleeps with his clients I don't I never have and I and I don't want to say never will but I don't foresee that being my future um but uh we also were living in different cities I'm in LA he's in San Francisco and so we had decided that during this time that we were just kind of seeing feeling it out feeling out the mentorship feeling out the working together feeling out potential relationship that we would be, you know, open, like we weren't committing to a relationship. So we were just dating, I guess. And we were, op- we were open to dating other people. That being said, because I don't sleep with my clients, I wasn't really sleeping with anyone else. Um, I think that there was one other person that was a past lover that I um, engaged with um, once in that time. And, and I immediately was like, I'm not really feeling this. I want to put all of my energy into the potential of this new thing. So I'm not going to, uh, I'm just want to focus on that, you know? Um, but he, I I didn't have the same expectation for him. That being said, I knew that, I knew that he was maybe sleeping with some other people, but we didn't really talk about it in length. Okay. So going back, um, we have this call. He tells me he has a chlamydia. He tells me that I should get tested. I'm freaking out because I had just started a new relationship with someone that I deeply, deeply cared about and still deeply care about, although we're not in partnership anymore either. Um, but um, I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this at all. And like, I, I'm, I'm a little bit anxious. I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac. It's gotten a lot better in my spiritual journey. I've worked a lot on my mindset, which has 
infinitely helped with this, but this triggered my core wound so awfully around being dirty and, you know, sexual diseases and, you know, the whole thing. And so I'm like in a very triggered space trying to trust though. And in the end, I did get to that place where I was like, okay, if I have this, first of all, chlamydia is like not that big of a deal. You just take antibiotics and it's gone. I've never had it. I guess I'm giving you the, the, I'm giving you the scoop before, but at this time, I don't know if I have it or not. Um, And I'm thinking like, okay, this is something that's relatively easy to be fixed. It's going to be an uncomfortable conversation with my current partner, but it's an opportunity for us to see if this is going to work. Like I'm, I'm, I'm testing the relationship by having this conversation and that's a good thing because I don't want to waste any more time. If this guy's going to freak out about, you know, me having sex two months ago and possibly having chlamydia then it's probably not the relationship for me right so anyways going back um I'm freaking out and also at the time I was traveling for work so I'm like super busy I managed to get into a testing facility the very next morning don't have health insurance so I pay for it out of pocket um, I do this test I do go pee I do I end up doing my full I think STD panel at that time just to you know be safe and, um, you know, I'm waiting it out then. And the unfortunate thing is that, again, this was during COVID. So it was like everyone, like it would took them, it's normally like two days for the results to get back. And it took like over a week because of, I think there was like a holiday that week. And then everyone was getting tested because of the holiday. And, um, yeah, so I'm like living in this like limbo nightmare for this week. Um, in terms of like, it's not I'm being dramatic saying a limbo nightmare, but I'm I'm having to come to terms with this whole situation. And the best part was is he didn't directly say this, but I was getting the energy from him as if he was like he was like, well, I already talked to this person, and I talked to this person, I talked to this person, and none of them have it, so I think that it's you basically. And I was like okay, like we had sex in like two months. Also, you're having to tell 11 people what? And I'm not trying. And I really don't mean this as a, as a shame, like shame on you for having sex with that many people. I'm saying shame on you for not being responsible with that many people. And also how many of these people were you sleeping with when we were together that you think that it was me, you know? So, oh my God, I was just like, oh my God, like there was so much more depth to this than I ever could have imagined. There was so much withholding of truths during this relationship that I was just blind to. And it was also my fault for not being very clear and like not being like, this is the type of relationship that I'm looking for. Are you game? And I, al- I allowed this essentially. I enabled this by not being very clear with my communication. So I get tested I go home, I get the results, they're negative, which was great. Um, since I was on this trip, I decided not to talk to, about, talk to my partner about it until I got the negative result, which I happened to have gotten like literally right after he picked me up from the airport. I was like, okay, we're gonna have to have this conversation now because I know he's gonna try to have sex with me and I need to know my status before we have this conversation. But I I really wanted to wait until I got the results to have the conversation. So thankfully I got them and we were able to have the conversation and I was like, hey, look, this is why I've been a little bit off the last week. You know, I wanna use this opportunity to say like, 
I'm not sleeping with anyone else. Are you? Are you? And like, how do you feel about this relationship moving forward? Is this something that you want or is this something that you don't want? And his reaction gave me a very clear indicator of where that relationship was, where that relationship was going, which was in the toilet very fast. And we ended up, um, you know, he ended up essentially ghosting me within two weeks of that situation. Um, but that being said, like, I'm so happy that I did that because I potentially could have wasted months with this guy not having that conversation. And, um, it wasn't that he was sleeping with other people, but it was obvious that I was like, Hey, you know, are what, what do you actually want? Right. And it was clear that he, he just wasn't ready to make that commitment. So I learned my lesson. I communicated, which was great. Um, and yeah, so back to the whole thing with a practitioner. So I tested negative, but obviously this re-triggered the entire assault situation because then I had to process what if he had penetrated me when he did have chlamydia, um, in that first session or when we were in, when we were in, you know, the potential of dating, but what if, Let's let's pretend that I had had my first session when he had chlamydia and he didn't, you know, ask me if I wanted to be penetrated and he didn't um, use a condom, which he didn't. Again, he didn't use a condom during that first session and he would have essentially non-consensually had sex with me, quote unquote, rape without using a condom and then given me an STD, which again... I don't want to put shame on STDs because I've done my research on these and honestly, like, it's not the end of the world. And I really want to do an episode of this podcast that goes into depth about STDs because most of them are curable and the ones that aren't curable are pretty much manageable to the point that they don't affect you in any way whatsoever and you're not transmitting them to anyone. So it's basically like you don't have it. Um, So I, I want to be clear that I'm not you know, shaming anyone in that way. And, you know, if that were to happen to me in this lifetime, that would be, you know, a beautiful experience for me, I see, to work through that and to understand that, you know, human experience on a different level. That being said, when you are um, opening yourself up to penetration with someone skin to skin, you know the risks, right? You know the risks. And again, I wasn't given the opportunity to assess those risks because it happened without my consent. So I start thinking about all of this and I start getting really upset. And he is saying that he has to tell some of his clients and it's become this really messy situation with all of his, you know, work and (laughs) anyways, um, I ended up really writing this all down, writing down all of my feelings. I ended up really calling him out for what he did. I, you know, was like, I'm not going to, you know, try to go after you in in any way, shape or circumstance, but I would really consider um, the way that you're showing up for your clients. And I would really consider whether or not you can call yourself a healer. I would really consider um, whether you continue to work with clients in a sexual way, because he also worked with them, you know, in, in other modalities as well. Um, and definitely maybe don't have sex with a client again. Like there's, you know, so many women out there that that's not necessary. And it's also doing, 
it's not doing your job. It's doing a disservice to the practice, at least if you're not communicating about it. And I also want to be clear that there are um, healers that do have intercourse with their clients and they do it in a way that is totally upstanding of the healing modality of the profession. There's lots of of people that have so much sexual trauma and shame and fear that they're not able to have intercourse with a regular person um, yet. And so having a sacred intimate, someone in which someone who is a professional who can help you manage those fears um, and disabilities in a um, in a sacred container with the tools of communication and radical honesty and vulnerability, that is really profound healing work. And honestly, like I'm not cut out for it. Like I'm just not, I'm able to work with my clients in a physical way that's vulnerable and erotic, but I'm not able to open my physical body up to that at this time and probably ever to be completely honest. That being said, if anyone is interested in learning more about how to do it in the correct way, in a way that is authentic and is not going to re-traumatize your clients, I recommend the books um, Healing on the Edge. And the other one I recommend is Reclaiming Arrows. These are incredible books that really show you the depth um, of of this modality. So definitely recommend looking into those if you're interested in it. So anyways, I did end up um, really going in and fully sharing my truth, fully, you know, giving him the opportunity to see the hurt that he was causing and not just to myself, but to himself too. Um, And to all of the people that, you know, he was potentially engaging with. So he ended up um, apologizing. which I was grateful for, um, you know, fully. Um, he asked if I wanted to speak on the phone. I said no. So this all happened over text. Um, I, I had actually mailed him a letter. I wrote out a letter and I mailed it to him. Um, and which was really great. And I definitely recommend this for for people. And and I, you know, if I were to run into him in person, I mean, I feel like I would be cordial and I would actually I feel like at this point I would be comfortable having that conversation in person but at the time it was so raw and, and the letter really did serve me super well um so he apologized he actually also ended up sending me back the investment that I had made in our original session um which was the only investment that I ever made with him you know after that first session we decided to co-create in a in a more um collaborative way that it didn't include an an investment um financially for either of us Um, so he did send that back, which was, you know, I thought that that was a really, um, genuine way to, to fully own what had been, what had occurred. And that was basically it. That was kind of the end of it. Um, in terms of like our communication, definitely the next steps for healing were to fully, um, acknowledge what had happened, which, you know, I did. And then also to, to love myself and to know that, it's okay that this happened to me and I, that shouldn't have happened to me, you know, given what I, I didn't do anything wrong in that circumstance. Like there's nothing wrong with going to a healer for healing and allowing yourself to be incredibly vulnerable in that space, physically, sexually, etc. when there are appropriate boundaries and when you are putting yourself in the hands of a professional. 
Um, that being said, I learned so much from this experience in the ways that I engage with my clients and also in the ways that I engage with future, um, future practitioners that I work with. And so one of those things that I do actually is when I want to work with a tantric practitioner again, which I've only worked with one since this happened, and it was a woman also, I'm open to working with men again. And I have a man in mind that I'd like to work with, but he is not um, he's not in LA. He's actually, I interviewed him for this podcast. It's Justin. Um, he, let me get the episode number quickly for anyone that's interested. Again, I've never worked with him in person. I can't vouch for any physical work that you do with Justin. That being said, I will say that I really appreciate his energy. And we discussed in length the, you know, what to expect during a first um, tantric session. The title of the episode is Why Work with a, T- a Tantric Practitioner with Justin. It's episode number 34 of this podcast. Um, he's someone that I'd work with that's a man, um, but I haven't, I haven't yet. Um, but since, since my first, since that, that, uh, session with the other practitioner, um, from now on, I will only open myself up to tantric body work if I have worked with them in a non-sexual way first. So for example, with this woman that I worked with, she, our first session was a womb healing and I was completely clothed the entire time. Um, it was lots of talking, there was touching, but it was very light, very energetic. Um, and, and, you know, going back to her, there's opportunity for, you know, doing more yoni massage, more internal work with, um, yoni mapping and, and things like that. Um, so yeah, I, like, I would recommend if you're going to work with a tantric practitioner for body work, work with them in a non-sexual, non-nude setting first. Um, if you're going to work with someone in like a different aspect of Tantra, because again, Tantra is so many things and not all of it's nude, not all of it is inherently sexual. So, you know, I still work with other practitioners in those contexts and, you know, I don't really have any qualms about it, but that would be my suggestion in that space. Um, and for my own clients, what I do in lieu of this is first we have a call and then after the call, um, when we meet in first in person first, again, we spend a lot of time talking. Um, my, my sessions are not hourly. They're an open timeline. So we talk as much as we need to talk to get a sense of intention and to also communicate needs, preferences, and boundaries, you know, in length so that we're very clear about the fact that uh, there's going to be no penetration. <laughs> um, and, you know, other, other pieces, other boundaries. Um, and, you know, there's also room to communicate desires too, to say, well, I actually would really like for you to touch me here. Can you do that? Is that something that you're open to? And so it's really going into not just like, these are the four types of touch. It's saying, hey, like during the first session, sometimes, this is something that I say to my clients, I'll ask them what their boundaries are and they'll be like, I don't have any boundaries. I'm good. And they'll be like, okay, like I really would love for you to communicate a boundary. Let's kind of expand on this. You know, for example, during a first session, um, I'm not going to do any internal prostate work, which means that I'm not going to stick my finger in your ass. Um, But sometimes I do some external work. Is that a boundary for you or do you feel okay about that? So it's being very explicit about what parts will be touched, how they will be touched, when they will be touched etc. And it's also moving very slowly into that space. It's also asking, how does this feel? Is this okay? 
you know, etc. during the duration of the session, which again, wasn't offered to me. I was, I, I don't think that there was a single point in the session where I was asked, how does this feel or is this okay? There was definitely, again, no asking of, can I penetrate you in this moment? Um, but with my sessions, you know, we're talking very explicitly about what will and will not be touched before the session. Um, so I definitely recommend if you're going to work with a tantric practitioner, if they don't have that conversation with you, that's maybe a red flag. Um, and then if you still want to work with them, then it's your responsibility to say, Hey, I want to talk about this more in depth. What does this include? What types of touch? Where will you be touching? Will there be any kind of penetration? Will there be any kind of release? Not that I'm putting any expectation on it happening that way, but let's have a safe container to go into to um, feel into this, right? And the beauty of this is, is that when you know the clear boundaries of the container, you surrender so much more easily because you're not worried about them doing x y or z you're not worried about oh they're going to penetrate me and i don't want that and now i've got to now you're stressed the entire time or oh i don't want them to touch me in the butt because i'm really sensitive there and then you're worried about it the entire time so it's good to have these um these basics being outlined also want to communicate that these sessions are so much more than that too they're so much more than the physical aspect um and again for my sessions we are starting with a conversation we are doing lots of movement in the beginning to warm up to be to get in touch with the body we are doing long meditation sometimes we'll do breath work um um you know visualization sometimes we'll do pc muscle work so there's a lot to this and there's so much healing that can happen that doesn't have to be incredibly erotic or orgasmic although that can also be a part of it and it's also a really beautiful liberating experience as well but I just wanted to put that out there um so yeah my suggestion would be to definitely do your research before but again I did my research before I looked on Yelp there were so many good reviews looked at his education it all checked out and this still happened so going a step further you know using your communication to using your own power to set these needs preferences and boundaries and then the third thing is just using your discernment trusting your intuition trusting yourself and again like I can't say that I necessarily felt anything crazily energetically off with him granted this was a different part of my journey maybe that would feel a bit differently now based on the growth that I've had um but I definitely know that intuitively during the session and immediately after I knew that something was off and I chose to quiet that part of myself. I chose to shut down my intuition because that's what was easier for me in that moment. And I do not recommend that. And ideally you get to the point that you are tapped into that before it even happens. And I will say that I have practiced that. There was a practitioner that I was actually going to be doing a session for. Um, and um, I'm debating on sharing his name here because he has since come out with 
During the process of booking me, he was like, this needs to be very much kept under wraps. I can't have anyone knowing about me working with you. And I get it. Like, I get it. It's it's nice to, like, anything that happens, regardless of anyone saying that, anything that happens within a sacred container with me and a client that I work with, whether it's in person or virtually or at an event or otherwise, is sacred. Like, it, it, and for that for that reason, it's confidential. Um, so I would never share that. That being said, I actually ended up not working with this person because my intuition was telling me not the right time, not the right time. Do not work with this person. Not the right time. Um, and so I didn't. And now it's come out that he was, so he did the sexual healings on women and he also worked with men and he had this like beautiful partner and it's now come out that he essentially sexually manipulated some of these women that he was working with and um, lied to his partner the entire time about all sorts of crazy things. Um, so I'm not going to say the name here. There's probably some people in the spiritual community that might be able to put two and two together. But he essentially had wanted to work with me. I intuitively was tapping into, you know what, not the right time. And he had also asked me to go into his container to work on him, which is also a bit of a red flag for me at times, because when you're going into someone else's container as a practitioner, you are stepping into their energetic field more vulnerably. So my preference is typically to work out of my space, especially for the first session. And if I'm not working in my space, it's in an Airbnb or a rental space that I have curated and it is not their space. Um... So yeah, um, I have used my intuition since then. I'm really happy that I didn't work with him because I could like it's it's very easy for clients to also manipulate practitioners, believe it or not. And I have I have experienced that as well, which is a whole other story um, and a whole other healing journey. So um, yeah, I, I think that that's about it. And I just really again want to hammer in the idea of take your power back. It is so ingrained in us to look to our elders, to those that have more experience than us, to our teachers, to our leaders, to just take what they say as gospel and to give them our blind trust. And to me, this is a lesson that we are coming into a time where that is just not the case. It is a time to reclaim your own power, to reclaim your own trust, your intuition, your own discernment. And that is really what I'm advocating for in this episode. Um, and I really want to say thank you so much for, for this is, you know, definitely a longer episode, maybe the longest so far. And I want to say thank you so much for, for sticking with this if you did. Um, this is incredibly vulnerable for me. I actually had a, a call with my dear friend Paige um, a couple weeks ago in which she shared her story of being sexually assaulted by a shaman in a completely different context. Um, and yeah, um, I hadn't done this recording yet, obviously, but I had the intention to do this and it fucked me up hearing her story in a way that I didn't expect. Again, like I had healed this experience on my singular level. I had healed it in sharing it with, you know, my closest friends and my partner. Um, but I had not healed it in the expansive way that is 
telling the world or my community <laughs> online, you guys, um, about this experience. Because again, I have been prepping myself for the victim blaming. I've been prepping myself for um, being told that you asked for this by getting naked in a room with someone that you don't know. And I want to say for anyone that's listening, I know that's not true now. And I'm so thankful that I've come to terms with that. And that's something that is triggering you. Then I invite you to look into where you are taking responsibility for your own actions and where you are not. And for anyone that's listening that feels as if they've ever had a non-consensual sexual experience, maybe you identify it as rape, maybe you don't. I want to say you're not alone. And also what happened to you is not okay. It's just not okay. And I think that there's a whole other conversation to be had around men not being asked how to, um, men not being taught how to ask for consent and women also not being taught how to communicate boundaries and how to say no. And that has bred this whole scenario, this whole society that we live in, in which um, the Me Too movement is here and sexual manipulation is so rampant. Um, and women and people in general just have a hard time communicating their truth, um, let alone being able to acknowledge when they've been, um, assaulted or manipulated or even just not respected, pure and simple, just lack of respect. Uh, and, and if you are in a place where you're feeling like you identify with this and you are struggling to heal this part of yourself, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I always do at least one free discovery call for every single person that I work with. Um, And I've worked with so many people, pretty much every single person I work with has some level of non-consensual sexual experience that they've had, or at the very least, they have some sort of limiting belief or shame, fear, guilt around their sexuality. Um, and I would love to invite you to reach out to me and we can kind of just start to unpack some of that and I can give you some great resources on how to move through that, you know, deeper. And there's also room to work in a more, um, profound container with me over three or six months to really unpack how your, you know, childhood and how your conditioning may have, led you to this experience where this sort of assault happened to you. And then on top of that, um, how to use this experience, how to alchemize it into something super expansive, something that's going to ignite your purpose, being able to see that this is a divine piece in your journey and in your reclamation of your power. And that's really what it's become for me. I'm actually at a point now where I'm grateful that this happened to me. I really am. It's allowed me to hold space for people so much more authentically. It's made me a better practitioner. Um, It's made me a better lover. It's made me a better um, facilitator in holding events. Um, And I'm not saying that I want to repeat that experience because I did. I learned the lessons from it. And that's really what what I'm trying to say for you as well. You're not going to be able to fully heal from this experience. You're not, and and you're going to keep attracting similar sort of vibrational experiences until you heal this, until you fully claim this. And that's what I wish. That's what I wish for all of us. And um, that that's what I'm offering here in this time, in this moment, in this time. I also want to touch on this episode's already super long, so I'm just gonna. (laughs) 
make it just a little bit longer by offering some other resources um, in terms of healing the space. Um, one of those, I'm, I'm mainly going to be listing um, episodes of my podcast. And from there, I also want to um, encourage you to, again, to reach out to me to schedule a free call. If you don't feel comfortable doing a free call, you can reach out to me and ask for other resources. I'm happy to send you some books that were really incredible for my healing journey with sacred sexuality um, because that's been my, my main modality um, as well. So anyways, getting into those episodes of the podcast, so I want to recommend episode two, which is overcoming sexual shame and trauma. Uh, let's see. I'm also going to recommend episode. Do, 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 do. Sorry, I'm scrolling through here. I'm missing one. Where is it? The one that I want to recommend. Oh, episode three, the very next one. Meditation to release sexual shame and trauma. Uh, another one that I recommend is episode. 23, Highest Truth Throat Chakra Meditation. I would also recommend episode 25, which is Sexual Shadow Work. Uh, let's see if there's anything else here that I think is going to be really profound. Oh, uh, episode 27, Sacred Sexuality and Pleasure Positive Affirmation Meditation is going to be great for kind of reclaiming that energy within you. And I had mentioned earlier why I work with a tantric practitioner, which is episode 34 with Justin. Um, again, definitely recommend this episode if you're looking at getting into this work and want to do it the right way, whether as a receiver or as a practitioner. And I think that that's about it. I think that that is going to be it for today. <laughs> so I want to thank you again for listening, for holding space for me in this journey. And if this resonates with you in any way, if you feel um, triggered by this and or you feel expanded by this, if you feel set free, please let me know whether that is on Instagram, whether that's um, via my email, talktantra2me at gmail.com, or if it is uh, in the reviews, please just let me know. It really helps to feel that we have community in this, in these times. Um, and definitely look out for the next episode with Paige talking about her experience in which she was um, on plant medicine in Ecuador and the shaman um, physically assaulted her in that space. Um, yeah, and um, I guess that's it. <laughs> So it's such a weird ending to my podcast compared to normal, but I wanted to say I have so much gratitude and love for all of you, and I will catch you very soon back in this space. Have a lovely day, and thank you, thank you, thank you.